Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is a podcast where we talk about addiction and recovery from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon. I've been clean and sober now for over 30 years, and you can too. The blessed hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ offers you the power you need to change, to be transformed forever. You do not have to stay the way that you are. And so I pray this podcast is a blessing to you. I pray it's an encouragement to you as you continue on this road called recovery. Listen and be blessed. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is your host, Pastor Mike Dixon. In today's episode, I want to share a message that I preached on May the 23rd, 2021 at Winterville Baptist Church. And the reason why I want to share this message with you is from the book of Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. As I know in the time in which we live, a lot of people are struggling and maybe listening to this episode today. Maybe you're walking through a valley. Maybe you feel like you're climbing a steep mountain. You're going through a troublesome time right now. Maybe it's one difficulty after another. I want to encourage you today on the authority of the Word of God. I just want to remind you, God is in control. He's still seated on the throne of the universe. He's got his hands on the steering wheel. Things are not out of control. Your life is not out of control. When you put your faith and trust in God, I just want you to be assured today, God is moving the pieces together perfectly to bring him honor and glory and for whatever is best for your life. And God knows better than anybody else what that is. I want to remind you about the Life Addiction Recovery Ministry. Check out the website at lifeaddictionrecovery.com, lifeaddictionrecovery.com. We've got life chapters that are springing up all over East on North Carolina. These ministries, chapters are available for you, open to men and women to come, and we'll help you overcome your bondage, overcome your addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, overeating, gambling, whatever the addiction may be. We want to renew our mind with what God says. We want to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And we want to see God the way that he is revealed in the Holy Bible. So again, check out the website, lifeaddictionrecovery.com. Find a chapter near you. If you don't have a chapter that you can attend near you and you want to see one started, reach out to us. Send me a message, an email. You can do that off the website. Again, lifeaddictionrecovery.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you've got a suggestion or prayer need, either way, reach out to me and let me know. I hope that you're blessed by the message today. Again, it's from Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, standing strong. Call to worship this morning. We're in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Find that Old Testament book with me. Daniel chapter 6. We're looking at one of the most familiar stories in all the Bible. In fact, when people think about the book of Daniel, usually this is the story they think about recorded right here in Daniel chapter 6. This is Daniel in the lion's den. What I plan on doing this morning is actually going to be a two-parter in this chapter. We're going to look at the first 15 verses together this morning. And then, Lord willing, next Sunday morning, we're going to look at the remainder of the chapter. This whole chapter has to do with Daniel in the lion's den. The series, of course, I just remind you, is how to live in turbulent times, in difficult times. Now, before I read our text this morning from Daniel chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 15, I feel like I need to give you a little bit of background. Some of you here, maybe somebody tuning in has not been part of the series thus far, so I just want to remind you, Daniel was one of those young men that King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, had captured. They actually came in to the kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, into Jerusalem, and they had captured many of the leading men. Among those leading men was a man named Daniel. Now, Daniel was probably only 15, 16 years old when he was first captured and toted off into captivity. By the time you get to Daniel chapter 6, this is near the end of the 70-year period of captivity. So now Daniel is not a teenager anymore. Now Daniel is well into his 80s. And so he's an older man by the time you get to our text and what's happening in this wonderful chapter as far as him being thrown into the lion's den. 
Daniel is full of prophecy. This book gives us a lot of end times prophecy. Uh, Daniel is to the Old Testament what I believe John on the Isle of Patmos is to the New Testament. And I'm talking about the book of the Revelation. Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand. And that's one reason why on Wednesday night we've been going through the book of the Revelation. And then on Sunday morning I've been doing this series through the book of Daniel because both of those tie in together. Now in Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5, when the end of that chapter, when it comes to a close, uh, also the Babylonian kingdom is also coming to a close. Now, just like the great statue that Nebuchadnezzar had, if you remember that dream a few chapters back and nobody could tell King Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was, let alone the interpretation, and God gave it to Daniel, and Daniel stood before the king. If you remember from the top, from the head of the statue down, moving downward, at the head was the Babylonian kingdom. And then next was the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. Well, by the time you get to Daniel chapter 6, the Medes and Persians has, have conquered the Babylonians. I'm telling you, God's word's going to come to pass just like God's word is laid out for us. Every prophecy, everything that God has foretold that's going to happen is going to happen. And just like that great statue, if you remember, God told Daniel, it's one kingdom after another. It starts with Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, but then the Medes and Persians are coming in and they're going to conquer the Babylonians. Well, that's already happened when you get to Daniel chapter 6. The Babylonians are not in charge anymore. Their kingdom ended at the end of the fifth chapter. Now when we look at chapter 6, the Medes and Persians are now in control and we've got a king, a Persian king, uh, that's actually reigning here. His name is Darius. Now Daniel is a Hebrew. He's a foreigner. He was captured by the Babylonians, towed off into Babylon. Now it's Persia. It's part of the Persian Empire. He's 80-some years old. But you know, even though Daniel is not a Babylonian, even though he's not a Persian, God kept blessing Daniel. I mean, we see Daniel over and over again in this, in this book being promoted. I mean, he's getting the favor of man because he's got the favor of God. I couldn't help but think about Joseph in the Old Testament and how Joseph was promoted. Even though the devil kept throwing stuff at him, I mean, he kept on getting promoted. Until finally, he was what I often uh, think of as a secretary of agriculture, and he was in charge of all the grain. You remember that. Well, that's kind of like Daniel. You know, I'm thankful that God is a God of grace and God is a God who blesses us all, no doubt about that. I mean, the sun came up on the righteous just like it came up on the unrighteous this morning. But let me tell you who God delights in blessing. God delights in blessing those who bless him. God delights on really pouring it on, on those that are living the life that God has called. Certainly that's Daniel. Now, I want you to look with me in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version of the Bible, but you follow along in whatever translation you've got before you. Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse, verse 1. And it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. 
When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said, bef- and, and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said, and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Now we'll stop there this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet with me as we go to God in prayer together. You just stand with me where you are. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessed word and just simply ask that you bless your truth that we just read. I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would cause it to be a life-changing word, a soul-saving word. I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would move in such a way to kindle a heart, Lord, uh, kindle a fire in our hearts that we might have your heart. So, Lord, I pray that as you move and as you minister and as you speak, as you bless the reading of your word, Lord, I'm just praying that the results of this time together in your word is going to be honoring unto you perfectly according to your will and your plan and your purpose. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. In fact, it's over in uh, Daniel chapter 4 is actually where uh, Nebuchadnezzar had that dream of that statue. And Daniel came in and told the king, uh, the meaning, the interpretation of your dream is not good news for you, O king. Because uh, it starts with the kingdom of of the Babylonians, but then you're going to be conquered by the Medes and Persians. And by the time again you get to Daniel chapter 6, that's already happened. And so the Persian empire is in place. And you've got King Darius. He is actually on the throne for the Medes and Persians ruling over the kingdom. Now, Daniel here, still exiled, a foreigner in a foreign land, yet he is truly blessed. I mean, God just continues to show his favor upon this young man because Daniel was determined. It doesn't matter what comes my way, what the threats are, I'm going to stand firm. You remember Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They were, they were three Hebrews that were taken along with Daniel. And those three young men d- decided, you know, if you throw us in the furnace, well, so be it. God can deliver us out of the flames. If he doesn't, he's going to see us through. And that's the same kind of faith that Daniel had. And that's the same kind of faith, my friend, that will cause us to have everything we need to stand strong. I believe in these last days in which we live, in uncertain times, in turbulent times in which we live, I believe these are the last days. I believe we're in the last of the last days. I believe God would have some men and women, some young people who have some backbone about them who will stand strong. Just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, just like Daniel, it doesn't matter what the threat is, I am going to stand firm, I'm going to stand strong. So now for over, uh, for a period of 70 years, Daniel's being in a foreign land, being held captive, but his faith has not wavered. And even when 80-some years old, even at this point in time, he is not going to compromise his faith. He's going to be the man that God has called him to be. He is going to stand firm. Now, there's some things I want you to note about Daniel. Some things that are true, that were true about Daniel, that ought to be true about us. Now, the first thing I want you to note right here from this text that we just read, number one, I want you to see something about the believer's influence. The believer's influence. I mean, Daniel had an influence over the kingdom of Babylon, which is now the, per- the Persian kingdom. He had an influence over that kingdom, a tremendous influence, and yet he was not a Babylonian and he was not a Persian. Look what the Bible says in verse 1. It says that the king set over his kingdom 120 satraps. Now, satrap, that's a Persian word that just means a Persian official. 
And so the king has uh, relegated responsibility, oversight, if you would, to 120 of these officials. And the king wants to place over these 120 officials three governors that will kind of rule over them, be authority over them, and make sure those 120 satraps are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And of those three governors, King Darius wants to place Daniel as one of those three. Now, you've got to keep things in perspective here. Daniel's not from this area, all right? He's not from this neck of the woods. He's still a foreigner being held captive against his will. Well, that's getting ready to end, but even at this point, uh, he is, but yet God blesses him. And even the pagan king of Persia, King Darius, wants to put Daniel in a position of authority and rulership. I'm just saying, this is talking about God's providence. This is talking about God's sovereignty. You know, it's amazing how God can have the right person at the right time in the right place. Amen? It's not about accident. It's not about coincidence. There's no such thing as luck. God is seated on the throne of the universe. He's got both hands on the steering wheel. Nothing is happening outside of what God allows to happen or God has already predetermined to happen. And so we as his children, we can trust him. We can put our faith in him. We can recognize and confess and just remind ourselves one more time of this Lord's Day that God is in full control. Things are not out of control control he is sovereign he has got a plan he's got a purpose and he knows exactly what needs to happen exactly when it needs to happen and so that's the Lord that we serve he's the Lord over disappointments he's the Lord over tragedy he's the Lord over hospital stays he's the Lord over sickness he's the Lord over good things that happen he's the Lord over bad things that happen because Romans 8 uh, 28 says all things we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose now I see that played out in Daniel's life because even though he's a foreigner this Persian king decides uh, he sees something in Daniel that makes him want to set Daniel up in this position of authority uh, to put him in a place where he is an, is an official in the Persian Empire. You know, I, I believe that what we've got to do as believers is we've just got to be determined. You know what? I'm going to bloom where God's planted me because I'm not there by accident. And that may mean where you work at. Uh, you know, I know Mindy and Alex are here this morning. Mindy's probably got the worst work environment, you know, the worst boss, you know, working here at this church. I'm just kind of kidding. Wherever you're at, wherever you're employed, wherever you've got to go to work, you know, maybe you don't like that job. Maybe you've got an honorary boss. Maybe you've got unbelievers around you every day. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's tough. But I'm telling you, on the authority of the Word of God and looking to Daniel's life, God has planted you there for a purpose. God's got a design in everything. You may not understand it. You may not always recognize it. You may not be able to make sense out of it. But the important thing is, not that I understand everything. The important thing is, even when I don't understand things, I've got my faith in the one who does understand all things. And he sees the ending before the beginning. And he knows what needs to happen to get me to where I need to be according to his will and his plan. So let me just say that again. Bloom where you're planted. Wherever it is that God has got you right here in your life, just be determined, man, I'm going to bloom for Jesus. I'm going to be a beautiful thing for the glory of God. I'm going to let God use me, and I'm going to just yield to him. Look at verse 3. It says, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials. Isn't that something? The Persian king Darius decided, not only do I want Daniel to be one of these three governors over these 120 officials, but now the king is determined, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to take Daniel, this Hebrew, and I want to place him over the whole banana, over the whole shooting match. I'm going to let him rule as my right-hand man. That's what he wanted to do. Why? Because verse 3 tells us, because an excellent spirit was found in Daniel. An excellent spirit, this pagan king recognized this Hebrew believer, Daniel, who's now 80-some years old, he recognized in Daniel, who was a God-fearer, this pagan king recognized in Daniel an excellent spirit. Now, when the Bible talks about an excellent spirit, I believe what that's saying is the Holy Spirit of God was all over Daniel. 
I mean, he was showing the fruits of the Spirit, love and patience and long-suffering and, and mercy and grace. He was showing forth those things. And so Daniel earns favor with an idol-worshiping pagan king because the king recognizes in Daniel there's an excellent spirit. God help us to live our life in such a way that creates a thirst in the lost world around us. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit with an excellent spirit like Daniel did that causes people that don't know my Jesus, I want them to have a thirst in their heart to want to take a drink of what I've been drinking. Amen? And thank God I'm drinking today what I didn't used to drink 30-some years ago. I want to create, in the way I live in the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to create around me in a lost world a hunger. A hunger to want to have what I have. I want a lost world around me to take note of me. I want them to take note of you. Folks right here at Winneville Baptist Church like they did the early disciples in the book of Acts. And I want them to make note of us that we've been with Jesus. I want them to note something about us. You know what? They're different. And I want what they have. That was Daniel. And even a pagan king that didn't know the God of Israel and the God of the Bible took note of this believer, Daniel, because he had an excellent spirit, showing forth the fruits of the spirit. Now, if you got the Holy Spirit in you, he ought to overflow through you. The Bible says we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so that means when somebody bumps into me, it's just like having a glass full of water and you're walking along and you got a cup of coffee and your spouse comes in the room. You didn't see them coming. They come around the corner and they bump into you and you spill your coffee out of your cup. What was in the cup is what spills out. When you go through life and somebody bumps into you, what comes out is what was inside. And so I want to make sure that what's inside is the Spirit of God, the presence of God. And so when I'm bumped into or I'm rocked or I'm jostled or whatever the deal may be in life, I want to make sure that what, what's coming out reflects my Savior. Yeah, I believe Daniel was that kind of person. Had an excellent spirit. God give me that excellent spirit. God give you that excellent spirit that we might live just like Daniel lived, that even a pagan world would look and take notice. Now that was Daniel. Now the king says, I'm so impressed with this gentleman, Daniel. I know he's not a Babylonian. I know he's not a Persian. But I'm so impressed with him that I'm going to promote him. And so uh, Daniel's promoted. Now something you got to look out for, even in service in the church, there's this thing called jealousy. Now it ought not be so, but even in the church it's so. And if you step out and you're determined like Daniel, you're determined, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to allow him to empower me. I want to be his hands and feet. I want people to be saved through me. I want to have an excellent spirit. If you decide to do that and God takes your life and God begins to use you in great ways, people around you are going to see that. And some people are going to begin to get jealous. Now, isn't that a sad thing? That's a sad, sad thing, especially in the church that that would happen. But nonetheless, that was the case with Daniel. God begins to bless him, and there's certain ones around him that begin to get jealous. I mean, God begins to bless your marriage. You know, somebody's probably going to get jealous. Somebody begins, God begins to bless your business. Somebody's probably going to get jealous. God begins to bless uh, your service in ministry. Somebody's probably going to get jealous. You know, and the crazy thing is, a lot of times those people that are jealous are not jealous necessarily because they want what you have. They're not jealous necessarily because they want to do what you're doing. They're just jealous because you got it and they don't. Now that's crazy to even think about, isn't it? Not that they really want it. They're just crazy that you, they're just jealous because you got it. Now that's a crazy thing. Now God blesses Daniel and even this pagan king promotes him to a place of authority and we've got certain ones around Daniel that are getting jealous. And they come up with a plan. They decide, you know, we're jealous that Daniel's got this position of authority. He's got the favor of the king. And so we've got to figure out a plan to knock him down. So the believer's influence. Daniel lived that kind of life. Now, point number two as I move through this story. I want to say something about the believer's influence. Not just the believer's, the believer's influence, but the believer's character. I looked on the screen there. It crossed me up a second. The believer's character. 
Now these folks became jealous around Daniel because Daniel was promoted to a position of authority that they weren't promoted to. And so this green-eyed monster of jealousy begins to creep up. And these other people in authority that now are going to be placed under Daniel because the king's going to place him over the whole banana, they begin to get jealous. They get together and they figure, you know, we got to come up with some dirt on Daniel. We have got to dig in his past. We got to take a sifter, man, and we got to look in his public life. We got to look on his private life. We need to look in his finances. We got to dig, got to get his tax returns, you know. We just got to dig as deep as we can. We got to get some dirt on Daniel. And poor old Daniel's out there just trying to live for the Lord. I mean, he's not doing anything wrong. He's trying to do everything right. He's walking in this excellent spirit that God's given him. Being faithful, trusting God, and yet in the background we've got these schemers in the back trying to figure out how can we knock Daniel down? How can we attack him? Well, verse 4 tells us these guys couldn't find any fault in Daniel's character. They couldn't find any dirt on him. Didn't matter how deep they dug, they couldn't get any dirt on Daniel. You know, again, we ought to be living that kind of life. No hidden, nothing hidden in our closet, nothing under the bed, uh, no cheating going on on my part. I mean, the Bible says these guys tried, man. They tried as hard as they could, and they couldn't find any dirt on Daniel. Nothing in his private life, nothing in his public life, nothing in the way that uh, he paid his taxes or didn't pay his taxes. I mean, they couldn't find anything on Daniel. Now, when I think about the believer's character, and I look at Daniel right here, first of all, I want to say something about the fact that Daniel was clean. He was squeaky clean. I mean, they, again, they couldn't find anything to criticize Daniel on. Look at verse 5, and it says in verse 5, Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Can't dig up any dirt on Daniel, but we know he's all about his faith. We know he's a righteous man. We know he's a God-fearer. You know what is a sad thing? Is that maybe there's some folks that you work with that don't even know. They don't have a clue that you're a Christian. They don't have a clue that you're a God-fearer. Isn't that a sad thing? That'd be a sad thing. Sad thing is you got neighbors, folks who live right around you. They have no clue you're a God-fearer. They have no clue that you worship the one true God, that you're a born-again believer. Daniel, they knew. His faith was right up front. They knew. We can't get any dirt on him because he's squeaky clean. The only way we're going to be able to dig something up is we attack his faith because we know he's a man of faith. Now, the second thing I see about Daniel, not only was he clean, but he was committed. He was certainly committed. That's why he had character. They said, if we're going to find something to criticize, it's going to have to be about this man's God because we know how much he loves his God. We know every day he goes into his room and his windows open towards Jerusalem and he prays three times a day, every day. And so if we're going to figure out, figure out a way to trip him up, it's not because of some fault on his part because he's clean, but he's committed. So we're going to attack his faith. We're going to go after the most important thing about Daniel and really what makes Daniel Daniel here in the book of, the, of Daniel. And we're going to attack his faith. And they come up with this scheme, this uh, trick that they're going to go before the king and get this king to pass this law. And they do that. They go before the king and they use what is one of the devil's greatest weapons, flattery. Flattery. I mean, these two officials, they come before the king and they use flattery before the king. You know the difference between flattery and gossip? Flattery is what you would say to somebody's face that you'd never say behind their back. Gossip is what you say behind their back that you'd never say in front of their face. And compliments and flattery, it's like perfume. You can smell it, but you'd better not swallow it. Amen? You better be on guard. I mean, you know, that pat on the back may be the enemy trying to find a place to insert the knife. You know what I mean? And so these two officials, they come before the king, and they're going to use flattery. Verse 8, what do they say to the king? They say, now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. You know what they're telling the king? They're... they're 
fattening him up. They're, they're using flattery. They're saying, King, you're king of this great empire. Oh, king of Persia, King Darius, we know that your word is infallible. When you utter a law, it's set in stone. Nobody can ever change that law. You're such a man of greatness, such a man of power. They're manipulating him through flattery to get him to do what they're trying to get him to do. Now, the believer's influence, the believer's character, Daniel was a person of character, and then the third thing I see here that I want you to, I want you to take note of, it relates to you, number three, the believer's power. Man, Daniel had power. It's obvious to me that Daniel could not have survived 70 years in captivity in Babylon and gone through everything that he'd gone through. And instead of just surviving, he's been thriving because God's been all over this man unless he had power outside of human power. He had God's power present in his life. Daniel didn't have a mission board to back him up. He didn't have a denomination to back him up. I mean, there's no Bible-believing church in Babylon that's now Persia by the time you get to Daniel chapter 6. I mean, he didn't have a support group around him, and yet he continued to be promoted. He continued to excel. He continued to be a blessed man. One promotion after another promotion, and even when he faced trials, he stood with courage, and he stood strong because he had the power of God upon his life. There's no way that your marriage is going to be what God's designed your marriage to be outside of the power of God. You cannot be the man that God wants you to be without the power of God. I don't believe you can be the woman that God wants you to be. You cannot stand strong without the power of God. You cannot be a faithful young person, a teenager, that's going to go against the flow in this world and be victorious without the power of God on your life. Daniel teaches us that. He's got the power of God on him. These two officials stand before King Darius and they use flattery. They get him all puffed up and they tell the king, Oh, you know, any word that you utter, any law that you pass cannot be changed. Everybody's got to abide by this law that you passed. Here, king, this is what you need to do. You ought to command everyone to pray to only you for a period of time. Pass the law. If you just utter it, it'll be a law. It'll be set in stone that nobody can seek advice from any other God except you, O king. And so they've already set him up with flattery. Now the king's paying attention and they plant the seed, pass this law, and the king is sucked right into it and makes it a decree, a proclamation of the king. Nobody can seek advice from anyone other than me. Nobody can pray to anybody other than me, the king of Persia. Now look down in verse 10, all the way down in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. King, you can pass whatever law you want to pass. But Daniel kept right on doing the same thing Daniel had always done. He kept right on going into that room. He could have closed his window. Have you ever thought about that? He could have closed his window and still prayed to the God of creation, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel. But he kept his window open. He didn't change anything. And when I look at Daniel right here, wasn't he humble in the way that he prayed? The Bible says that he came and he bowed down before God in prayer. And the windows open towards Jerusalem and he prays to God three times a day, just like Daniel's done before. And so the king, the earthly king, is not going to change Daniel's devotion to his heavenly king. The earthly king can pass whatever law he wants to pass, but Daniel's determined. He knows he's got the power of God upon his life. He's going to stand on the Lord's side, and he is going to do it courageously. You know, I thought about it, he could have closed his window, but you know what God wants us to do? He doesn't want us to be secret Christians. 
He wants us to publicly declare our faith. He don't want us to be closet Christians. He wants us to stand firm. He wants us to make public professions of our faith. And in just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I'm going to invite you to come. The Holy Spirit's going to invite you to come. The church is going to invite you to come. If God has spoken to your heart, to come forward and to stand before this body of believers and everybody online on this Lord's Day and boldly profess, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm not a backwoods Christian. I'm not a back alley Christian. I'm not a closet Christian. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm taking a public stand. Daniel was not ashamed. He didn't close his window. He left it open. And he just continued to pray just like he had always prayed. The Bible says he got down on his knees. The Bible says the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem has been destroyed at this point in time. It's desolate. The people in Jerusalem have been toted off now, 70 years now, in captivity. And yet Daniel keeps looking in that direction. You know why? Because Daniel wasn't walking by sight. Daniel was walking by faith. Daniel knew God has promised, even though Jerusalem lays in ruins right now, God's promised it's not going to stay that way. God's promised we're going back home. God's promised at the end of this 70-year captivity, which by the time you get here is almost over, Daniel knew knows God's still got a plan God's taking us back to Jerusalem so he's not walking by sight he's walking by faith he's not just basing his reality on what he can see but he recognizes God is a faithful God and made promises and those promises will come to pass and so Daniel goes to God in prayer pointing towards Jerusalem and the Bible says he gave thanks before his God what's Daniel got to be thankful for He's a foreigner, an old man now, 80-some years old in a foreign country. What's he got to be thankful for? Jerusalem is in ruins. What's he got to be thankful for? Because he knows God is still seated on the throne of the universe. Because he knows that God has a plan and a purpose. And maybe Daniel didn't understand it even at this point in time. But Daniel was going to trust God regardless. He give thanks unto God. Listen, church family, we ought to always praise God. We all ought to always give thanks to God. Even when you're walking through a valley, even when you're thrown in the fire, you ought to give praise to God because God's made some promises to you too. God's promised to be with you. God's promised to walk with you. God's promised to one day take you home into his presence. God's promised to give you strength. No temptation is going to lay hold on you that's not common to man. But God will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be strong to bear up under it patiently. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. God's promised us over and over and over and over again in the word. If we'll stand on those promises, God's always going to be faithful. So I give thanks to God even in the difficulties in life. I give praise to him. God honors the praise of his people. And so Daniel, Daniel illustrates for us the believer's power. Let me tell you something else. Point number four. I want to say something about the believer's allegiance. The believer's allegiance. Again, Daniel goes into his prayer room and the window is still open. That's how the guys outside here praying. That's why I said he could have closed the window. Daniel knew what the law was, but he's going to keep on doing what he's always done. He's going to bring honor to God. He's going to trust the results to God. He's praying towards Jerusalem, verse 10. He's not at home yet, but he's trusting God's going to take him home. Daniel's praying, pointed towards Jerusalem because that's where his heart is. He's longing to get back to Judah. He's longing for God's people to get back to the holy city of Jerusalem. It's not happened yet, but he knows it's going to happen because God has made that promise. And so he's given thanks to God in his prayer time here, knowing that God is still on the throne. And somehow, some way, they're going to get back to Jerusalem because God promised they were going to get back to Jerusalem. Now, I know in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, this is a literal city, Jerusalem. The holy city, Jerusalem, in the southern kingdom of Judah. But you know in the book of the Revelation, and we've just been studying this on Wednesday nights, this earthly city of Jerusalem is a picture of another Jerusalem that's going to come down out of heaven. When you get to the last part of the Bible, the last part of the book of Revelation, in fact, we've just studied this, the Bible says the new Jerusalem is going to come down and that's going to be heaven for us. And so just like Daniel was knelt in prayer, 
pointed towards the holy city, Jerusalem. I need to go to my prayer closet. I need to go to my prayer room. I've got to humble myself and fall on my knees before God. And I need to be pointed towards another Jerusalem. That's the heavenly city, Jerusalem. That's where I'm going to spend forever. And I'm longing for that place. Just like Daniel longed to get back home to the earthly city, Jerusalem. My heart longs for the holy city of Jerusalem. That God's prepared for those that love him. Our hearts, our minds, our lives ought to be focused on our eternal home that new Jerusalem God I long for it God help me to be faithful to you until I get there God I'm going to trust your promises Man, I, I want to be reminded of the street of transparent gold and the walls of Jasper and, and that place where the sun never sets and nobody ever gets sick and no hospitals and no more death and dying and no cemeteries and no funeral homes. My heart longs for that place. When I look at the situation around us and the decay in the world and the wickedness going on in our society today, man, I can't help but be pointed more towards the new Jerusalem, heaven that's waiting for me. We're going to the new Jerusalem. Just like Daniel stood strong with his heart focused on that holy city. No matter what happens around me, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be true. I'm going to stand strong. God help us as believers to make sure that we've got that same kind of stick to itness. God make sure that we've got uh, that same kind of oomph. You know, nobody likes a Pepsi Cola that's gone flat. I mean, it doesn't have any oomph, does it? God, give us some oomph that will walk by faith and not by sight. Give us some oomph so we'll be enthusiastic and passionate and excited about where we're headed, that new Jerusalem. And God, from point A to point B, help us to stand strong just like Daniel. Not wavering. To stand firm. God, give us courage. Now, Daniel's getting ready to be thrown into the lion's den. Now, you're going to have to wait till next week to find out the rest of this chapter and how all this turns out. But right now, that's where I'm going to end. My friend, you know, I wonder if there'd be somebody here, maybe somebody online on this Lord's Day, and you, you've been listening, and the Holy Spirit's been working on your heart, and you know, you know, I need to take a step of faith. I don't have that kind of boldness that God's Word's been telling us about in Daniel chapter 6, and I want to have it. I want to be able to stand firm. I don't want to be controlled with fear. I know time is short. I want to be a faithful witness for the Lord. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Church, those that are here, I'm going to ask you to reverently stand to your feet. Those in the fellowship hall as well as you stand. I want you to be in the attitude of prayer. I just want you to bow your head. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for all those that are tuned in by way of the internet this morning as well. And, and then we're going to sing and we're going to give a time of invitation. Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for your blessed word on this Lord's Day. I thank you, Lord, for the life of Daniel. Even as an old man in his 80s, Lord, at least, in Daniel chapter 6, uh, Lord, he had not compromised. He, his faith had not become watered down. He had not become weak-kneed. He's still just as courageous as he's ever been. He doesn't compromise one single fraction. His heart longed to be in that holy city. To be in your presence. And God, I just pray, Lord, on this Lord's day for your people that, Lord, you'd cause us to long to, to forever be in your presence. Help us to long to make sure that even right now we're walking in righteousness. Living our lives, Lord, in a way that a watching world takes note. We've got an excellent spirit. Because, Lord God, it's your spirit. And you're an excellent God. I'm praying for folks who are tuned in by way of the internet. Lord, uh, you know needs, you know souls, you know situations. I, I'm praying for those who may be accepting Christ as their Savior right now. And they're saying, Lord, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again for me. He's my Savior. And Lord, I'm crying out to you right now. That shed blood, wash away my sins. Forgive me, Lord, forever. I'm praying somebody's getting saved right now. Those rededicating their lives, Lord. Those repenting of sins. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for answering our prayers. And Lord, this morning, we just trust that you'll close this time together as you see fit. And I pray you'd be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. We're going to sing this morning. Lord, here I am. The altar's open. I'll be standing right up front. If you need to speak with me, you come right now.
come, you come right now. Anybody need to respond? The altar's open. Anybody need to come? Maybe you'd say, Preacher, I just want to come for prayer. You come right now. Maybe you need to come and commit to water baptism. You come right now. Let the Holy Spirit direct you right now as you come. Does anybody need to respond? Maybe God would have you be an active member here at Winneville Baptist Church. You come right now. Just obey God. What's God telling you to do? I'm willing. You willing this morning to do what God's calling you to do? Yes, Lord. Willing to follow. Lord, lead us. morning and I believe God's spoken to some hearts this morning. I hope you're responding. Don't hold back. Here am I, Lord. Sing it to the Master. Let these words come from your heart. Pay attention and watch your singing. Anybody need to respond? Anybody need to come? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm going to ask uh, Jerry Brooks to dismiss us in prayer in just a moment. Uh, those by way of uh, Facebook, if, don't forget, like and share, two key words there, and help us get this service out to more. I'd also love to hear from you. If this service has been a blessing to you, something we can do to minister to you as a church body, please reach out to me and let me know that as well. Let's go to God in prayer together. Jerry, would you just miss us? Let's pray.